Let's pray. Holy God and gracious God, as we come before your word this morning, we know that we can't understand it, grasp it fully by ourselves. So we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, our minds, our soul. Open our hearts, our minds, our eyes so that we know Christ Jesus evermore, our Savior, our Rock, our Redeemer. And let these words, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Gracious God. Amen. We are continuing in our series, God's Church for a Time Such as This. It has been a very rich series in many ways because there is so much for what it means to be God's church, especially for a time such as this. And remember, to be God's church doesn't mean just the building. It doesn't mean that we are just gathered here on a Sunday. To be His church means that you are called out, that each and every one of you are called by name. He, by His name, has called you to be His church. He has called you out from death to life, from darkness to light, from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. He has called you out from an impure living, an impure life, to a holy life. And He has called you out for the gospel and through the gospel. He has called each and every one of you by name, and thus you and I are to live a life that is different than the rest of the world. And this is a high calling that you and I have, each and every one of us. And we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it apart from Christ Jesus. We can't do it apart from the power of God through the Holy Spirit working in each and every one of us. You see, I came across a quote recently from a pastor, Steve Lawson. He's a pastor whom I admire and follow. He said this, The Christian life is not hard. It is impossible right? You cannot live it on your own strength. Only by the power of Christ can it be done. And it is so true. To be God's church means that it is through and by the power of Christ Jesus working in us, through us. You know, Paul knew this. Through all the difficulties, he didn't rely simply on himself. He said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So he sought out Christ Jesus again and again and again. And we must seek God. We must seek his face again and again and again because that's what strengthens us. We try to do it apart from him, we will fail. So we've been looking Last week, this week, and next week, by the way, what does it mean to seek His face? And we've 
started with this section from Second Chronicles. And this one verse, if my people who are called by my name, really, remember, God has called by his name. He has called you to be his people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. So last week we started on it, and I got stuck on one word, right, if you were here. And it was that one word, humble. And we spent all the time on that one word, humble, or humility. Well, today we're going to go to the next word, pray. Pray or prayer. You see, we are commanded to pray. But this is one of those words that befuddles us that confuses us, and that makes us very uncomfortable, right? So if you're around a table with, say, seven, eight people, and you're about to eat, and somebody says, we should have a prayer. It is amazing how people try to become invisible, right? They look around and say, is there a pastor in the house? Right? Because the pastor knows how to pray. And it makes us really uncomfortable. And by the way, before I was a pastor, I was the same way. I was uncomfortable. But then I started to wear this cross as part of my faith. And then people asked me to pray for them. And I was like, I don't know how to pray. But I started. I learned. Even the disciples, they, they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. So we are all in good company, and we can all learn, therefore, to pray. We need to be a house of prayer to be God's church for a time such as this. So let's lay the foundation of what prayer is. Prayer. Page here. There we go. What is prayer? Prayer is first and foremost a part of, or a type of worship. When you pray, you worship God. It is acknowledging that God is above all things. So if you get stuck on praying, just think about worshiping God and acknowledging that He is sovereign over everything. There is nothing outside of His control. There is nothing outside of His ability He knows everything. He even knows every single cell in your body, every hair on your head. And for us, as we age, that becomes less and less for some people. But He is sovereign over all things. And He is a living God. He is not an idol that is just far away. He is a living God for you in this time. In real simple terms, you could say we pray to a great and awesome God who is worthy of praise and worship. Pretty simple, isn't it? So you pray to a God who is worthy of worship. If you read 2 Chronicles chapter 6, so our reading today was from chapter 7, but if you go back to chapter 6, most of it is a prayer that Solomon gives. And for us, it would be considered a really long prayer. And he is praising 
God as part of the Ark of the Covenant coming to the temple. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, right? The sacred Ark where the Ten Commandments were kept. Israelites had them, but for a time, for seven months, the Philistines had captured it. The Israelites got it back, but it hadn't been in the temple. And now, many years later, Solomon had finished the temple, and now the Ark of the Covenant is coming back. And so this is a a prayer of praise. And he says this. I'm going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 12, and then 14 and 15. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is none like you in heaven or on earth keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who have kept with your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. It is a prayer of praise. It is a prayer of worship. Hezekiah also prayed this. Second Kings. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the great God, you alone of all the kingdoms of earth have made heaven and earth. So listen, if you get stuck in your prayers, just stop first and thank and praise God for who He is, that He is above all things. Prayer is worship. Now let's go into the next part. Prayer is also recalling His promises. You know, we often forget of the promises God has already made to each and every one of us. He has declared His promises, and we forget that. I mean, God has made promises to Abraham, right? Do you remember the promise to Abraham? that he would be a father of many, a blessing, that there would be land. We find that in the promised land made full for us in Christ Jesus. But he said "I am to, to Isaac and Jacob, I am the God of your father Abraham. And then Isaac and Jacob. And so he made a covenant with them. You see, God makes covenants, sacred promises that he keeps. He made it with Moses and the Israelites, didn't he? He said, you will be my people. And he brought them out of slavery. And then he made a covenant with them. Mount Sinai. And so he made the covenant with his people. He gave them the Ten Commandments. And then he also made a covenant with David. Do you remember what he made with David? That from his throne there would be a king. And his kingdom would last forever. God makes covenants. And he makes it in a personal manner. Because when you find all of the covenants that God makes, he is referred to or uses the name LORD. All capital letters in the Old Testament, L-O-R-D. That stands for Yahweh. That's the sacred personal name that God makes with you. 
God makes covenants, personal covenants, with you. And those personal covenants aren't just in the Old Testament. They're made full in the New Testament in Christ Jesus. Because do you remember what Jesus, his name means? Yahweh saves. So there's one God, right? Yahweh saves. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament, we have promises that if you pray these promises, you will be encouraged, you will be strengthened. So the promises in the New Testament, there is salvation to all who believe in His Son. There is a new life in Christ that all things will work out for His children. And if you are born again, you are a child of God. And that there is comfort in our trials. And here I want to read from 2 Corinthians because this is what God has promised. And I know, <laughs> I know there are a lot of difficulties, aches and pains. I mean, our prayer list is pretty long, right? And we are not alone. In the other churches in town, there's long prayer lists too. God has promised you comfort. So listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, there's a promise, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I mean, that word comfort or comforted is emphasized so much. God has promised comfort. It says this in the New Testament, that God will finish the work that He started in us. And I was thinking about that today, and that was a good promise for me. Because sometimes I want to say, well, God started the work, I better finish it. And then I start to do the work apart from God. But remember that God is going to finish the work. I still have my part to do, but it's God who does the work. That the work of the Holy Spirit and the peace of Christ, so we have the promise of that. John chapter 14, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So you can pray those promises. You can remember those promises in prayer. And the last one on here is that God hears our prayers. I think this is a, a, a difficult one for us to remember. I mean, if, if you're like me, do you have moments where you say, God, are you listening? Right? I, I, I'm pretty sure most of us have something like that. God, are you, are you there? And so we get some doubt and we get reticent and we think, well, maybe just God isn't listening to me today. But what does his word say? Go back to his word. His word says this 
Jeremiah 29. Then you will call upon me and I come to and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Or how about 1 John? Because some people say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, let's go to 1 John then. And this is the confidence, the assurance, confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that he has that we have asked of him. He hears us. So maybe for you it could be just sitting for a moment and in your prayer remembering, recalling the promise that God does hear you. So we have seen prayers recalling God's promises. Prayer is a humble and open heart. Now, I'm going to go to the preface of the Lord's Prayer on this. There's a couple things before we get to the actual preface. Uh, One is that Jesus says, when you pray. So, it's not if you pray, it's when you pray. So, there is an expectation that you actually do pray. And the second thing is, the preface to the Lord's Prayer is longer than the Lord's Prayer. So, we all need to heed the words of what Jesus says before we even get into the prayer itself. Verse 5. And I've just got a couple of the verse up there. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So last week we went in depth, by the way, on coming before the Lord with a humble heart. We talked about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Here Jesus makes a very similar point. And this one is we shouldn't be proud in our prayers trying to show off how good we are. You've heard the phrase strutting like a peacock. Is that the phrase? Well, some people do that in their prayers. They kind of strut with pride in their prayer and how fancy and how wonderful their prayers can be. And Jesus said, don't be like that. They're hypocrites. By the way, a hypocrite is somebody who says something, doesn't actually believe what they say, and does just the opposite. Now, I want to distinguish that just briefly because somebody who says something, believes it, but then fails to do it, isn't necessarily a hypocrite. They have simply failed at what they profess. Okay? Little distinction for you there. Because we all get that, that badge, oh, you're all just hypocrites. Well, you know what? 
I can tell you what I profess, what I believe, and I can also tell you that I fail quite a bit in fulfilling that. But a true hypocrite actually doesn't even believe what they say. So Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. And to ensure that, by the way, to ensure that, go off by yourself in a room. Now, I want to point out, Jesus does not say you cannot pray in public. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, throughout the Old and New Testament, there's a lot of public prayer. So he's not saying never pray in public. Not saying that at all. He's just saying be warned about trying to show off in your prayer. There's one commentator, William Hendrickson, who said this. He said the main emphasis, however, is not even on the place of prayer. So it's not about going just to a secret, quiet room. It's not on the place of prayer, but the attitude of the mind and heart. Not the secrecy is the real underlying thought, but the sincerity. So coming before him with a humble and open heart. Sometimes prayers are full of silence, aren't they? Just sitting before the Lord. Now, I thought about this going through and working on this. The question I had is, does prayer change God's heart? Right? We're we're praying for God. We're praying to God. And does our prayer change His heart? And the answer is no. Prayer doesn't change God's heart, but it changes yours. And that's really where prayer comes in. See, ultimately, a heartfelt prayer is for God's will to be done. And sometimes the struggle, and it is a struggle in prayer, sometimes the struggle is that I have to let go of all the stuff I want done and the way I want it done and let go of that and seek God's will in all of this. Because that's what we pray, for thy will to be done, right? For thy will to be done. And you see, prayer seeks his will. Prayer ultimately seeks his will. And I was thinking about this. You know, this sounds about, you could take this to be about as mystic, and and I call it (laughs) woo-woo, woo-woo-ish. I mean, how do you seek God's will? Do you have to go to the mountaintop and sit up there? Or do you have to go in the middle of the forest in a little hermitage and shut off everything from the rest of the world and, and look at the way the leaves are blowing or something like that to, to, to try to discern His will? I mean, right? That's where you get people who are all, all of these mystics and, and they say, oh, just look inwards. Well, you know, by, by the way, when I look inwards, I don't find anything good in me. So, How do you discern God's will? How do you pray? Really? How do you pray for God's will? And the answer to that is actually pretty simple. You can just go back to his word. His word shows his will. And you can pray his word. So uh, I came across one person who wrote a couple prayers just praying scripture. And I thought it was really good. He said, first one, 
I pray that you would grant me to be strengthened with might through your Holy Spirit in the inner man, according to the riches of your glory that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that I may be rooted and grounded in love. From Ephesians chapter 3, 16 and 17. I mean, that's a wonderful prayer, isn't it? Or how about this one? That I might be able to comprehend the height, depth, length, and width of the love of Christ. And then that I may walk worthily of your calling, that I may speak the truth in love and walk in love. So there are more that you could do here. I pray that I may be filled with the fullness of God, that I might be renewed in the spirit of my mind. I pray that I may put off my corrupt old self and put on the new self you created that is true and righteous. Here's one of my personal prayers. I pray to be thirsty for his righteousness. I pray to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. I pray that what I do is for his glory, not mine. Now, you can tell that there's a different type of prayer going on here than how many people start off with prayer. You know, you ever pray with kids? So sweet. Dear Lord, I pray for the new puppy. Could I have a new puppy, please? Right? And there's prayers like that. Or in high school, dear Lord, let me just get a passing grade. And so there are prayers like that. And that's okay to start off with. But we shouldn't stop there. Because as you mature, as you mature spiritually, you move from prayers that focus on the things that are uh, to, to prayers that are about his will and his kingdom. As you mature spiritually, you move from prayers that focus on things to prayers that are about his will and his kingdom. Now, is it okay to pray about things? Yes, of course. We pray for our health, right? There's a lot of prayers about that for financial situations. So we pray for financial situations. So we we do pray about material things in this world. But ultimately, we should pray about the spiritual. Lord God, let me grow alive in your word. Let me grow alive in your spirit. Let me grow bold so that I can actually share the good news with others. Let me grow in a way that honors you, gracious God. These are the prayers God does answer, by the way. He will answer every single one of those prayers. Some of you I know want to pray for patience. It's a dangerous prayer. Dangerous prayer. Because God will answer that. And he'll probably put you in a situation that is outside of your ability. And then you're going to have to rely on him. And then, you know what you're going to do? You're going to grow in grace and mercy and love and repentance and forgiveness. That's all part of patience. But then you will be walking in the footsteps of Christ Jesus. These are the prayers 
that we should pray as we grow. Look, I, you know, I thought, okay, we'll do prayer. And I don't have enough time because there's so much more we could cover, right? So much more we could cover. But this gets you on your way. So I'm not sure what it is for you today, but we've covered five different things. We said prayer is worship. Prayer is recalling his promises. Prayer is a humble and open heart. And prayer seeks his will. If you but practice one of these ongoingly, you will be richly rewarded. And all the people said, Amen.